God desires that we aspire beyond the limits of our own nature. And he has sent angels heralding us with hope of things above. Our culture right now is deeply, well, just wrought with spiritual conflict, and Christians must fortify ourselves as aspirational people led by the Holy Spirit. Welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. Thank you for joining us. There's one other with me here in Cord Purgatory. Pastor Anthony Alegria. And now, being theologians, we don't spend a lot of time caring about things like purgatory. We know the history on such concepts. But there are things which we do put a lot of things or a lot of value on other concepts. Angels are one of those things where a lot of people say, oh, they're, they're not really real. They're just sort of allegorical and don't have much value. I'm not of that at all. Just since we're going to be here talking about spiritual warfare and angels, let me go ahead and get this out of the way. Um, yes, there are angels. I don't know why people would come around and say, oh, well, there's no, no other things like that. It's kind of like the guy that wants to blackmail Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight, and he comes in and he's like, Lucius Fox looks at him and he's like, you think your boss is one of the most wealthy, powerful men in the world who beats up criminals at the night, and you're going to blackmail him. It's like your plan is you're going to get far enough in Christianity that you believe that God, the begotten Son of God, the... Word of God, manifest in human form. Come to die for your sins and really did die and was resurrected, but you're going to say there's no, but the whole angel thing is like not real. You're going to say God comes to, to, you know, correct people when they have theological errors, such as, you know, do we live for the Sabbath or is the Sabbath made for us as a gift? But there are people who will go so far and say, well, no, but, but we're wrong on this one. So no, I, I'm not like that. Anthony, your thoughts on this before we well, get Jesus into our... Well, Jesus does talk about them in such a way where it is very, very hard to deny that they would be some other creature uh, that God has made. And uh, something else is a lot, a lot of people find room to make these arguments because the word means messenger. But yep. also, there are times in the Bible when it is used that way, and often we might misinterpret it. Like, there's a few so-called angels who appear to um, Abraham... And there's good arguments to be made that some of them were more human in form, whereas the ones who, you know, burst into flames or make it so that... <laughs> or are in flames, like with are Shadrach, in Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. And, um, you know, the ones that, for instance, um, you know, make it so that Zechariah cannot talk for the period of John the Baptist's, uh, you know, in the womb before he is born. Those sorts of angels are probably not just human yeah, they, they messengers. Don't really they don't possess a lot of the human qualities we have. Yeah, you see the angel that comes to speak with uh, Samson's parents. And when we were doing show prep, I was like, we're not going to get on any other angels outside from the ones around the, the birth of Jesus and the one from Daniel. But now that we've gone here, you see, you see the one that's in like flames. And you're like, is that a human characteristic? Do you go and, and sit in flames for a while every day, Anthony? Is that what you do when you get... Normally, after I bring a word from the Lord, I do not burst into flames. Oh, okay. Um, it's sort of like the ongoing joke I have whenever I tell people, you know, I'm in the process of sanctification. I just well, haven't performed my first miracle all right, yet. All right, wait a second. Um, I would like to point out, if you do burst into flames after reading the word of the Lord, please do contact us because we need to have a, a talk. It's probably not a good thing if you are bursting into flames. It's kind of like you can't go into the Holy of Holies unless... You know, it's not somewhere that you can just casually waltz into. Anyways, let's get back on track here because we are here to talk about something found in Matthew chapter 1. And in this, we, we find an angel speaking to Joseph. And he's bringing a message that is, well, come and trust in things above. For it is only in the almighty power of God that we can find fulfillment, true meaning, and eternal salvation. 
Spiritual warfare is quite common in life. Its theater of battle can be found wherever Christian conviction faces conflict with ungodly behaviors. And sometimes the worst confrontations take place within our own homes and in our churches. The master of creation, he wants us to reach higher. He knows that his creatures endure diabolical opposition, but he wants us to reach higher to the things above the human condition, and it's there that we can find hope. And when we reach above and we see that God has sent messengers, angels, carrying hope from God to fortify humanity for endurance. So yes, again, we, we are people who believe in, in angels. And today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare, and we really do hope that you join in on the conversation. Send us your thoughts, your questions, your comments. When it comes to topics like angels, there's a lot of mystery there. That doesn't mean that there's not truth behind it, but it means that there are things about it that we can't explain. But we are here to learn a little bit about what hope we find from the really angelic form that we see there around the birth of Jesus. And we ask the question, you know, what role do they have? How do they bring us hope? Can we relate to them? Are they people? Are they not? We'll look at all that today. So as Anthony said earlier, the term angels, or the term angel, comes from the Greek word angelon, meaning messenger. And there are times when people clearly are functioning as messengers. And believe it or not, and Anthony can affirm this, there are things which are not people that function as messengers. Anthony, have you ever got a message delivered to you by something that wasn't a living being itself? I mean, yeah. Give me an example of that. Uh, well, I mean, the scriptures, I think you can receive lots of messages from. Okay. Now, a lot of people might say that you did receive it from the living Holy Spirit, and I would agree with that, but it did come through the medium right, of well, something which was not alive. What might be even more simple than something which is endured time? Say, if I'm writing a letter to you, is the paper alive? I hope no. not. I hope not. I um, hope there's no parasites or anything in there. Um, but yeah, like we, we can send a message through a phone, which is clearly not alive, though they spite you like they're alive. You can find a lot of things that are not living things, inanimate things that are working as messengers. You find people working as messengers. Clearly this has happened. God has used many things to give people messages. But at the same time, there are clear times where God has sent a messenger that is inhuman. Like what we're going to find when we go to the gospel according to St. Matthew here in a moment is something which doesn't function as a human would. And when we look at our world around and we, we ask this question of, of God sending hope through messengers, we look at our culture. And where we're at here, and I'm in America, and if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're in America too. But even if you're not, we look at where Western civilization is and we look at where the whole world is. Our world is in the middle of warfare. Now, some people look at our culture and say it's cultural war, but I think it's deeper than that. I think the truth is that we are in the middle of a religious war. And when I say we're in the middle of a religious war, um, I'm going to invoke G.K. Chesterton a little bit here. Um, he's a really smart theologian. He pointed a lot of people to God. I mean, he's obviously not God himself. But G.K. Chesterton talked about in the early 20th century when we saw things like the Nazis cropping up, what was going on in social socialism there in Russia. There were people, which the Nazis are also socialist, but you saw people fighting for a religion which yet lacked a name. And there are people in our world who are fighting for a religion which has no name. We live in America, which still was built on a, a system that was affirming Christian values, even though the government it was going to kind of try to police that a little bit. But there was this idea that people 
They have an allegiance to a belief system. That's really what religion is. Religion is your allegiance to a belief system. And people are going to have something giving them a standard for what good and evil is. As many people are out in the world who say they're agnostic, they're atheist, I have never met somebody who does not have a belief system. And I've never met somebody that doesn't have something or a variety of things giving them their versions of good and evil. And if you have a variety of things, then you're a polytheist. If you have a single thing, you're a monotheist. And you know, you can be a monotheist who believes in God, the master of creation, revealed in three persons, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or you can be a monotheist who just has a single idol up there at the top, like yourself. Anthony? I was just going to say, um, the only times you do see people who really, really, really are just straight-up nihilist, are it's almost like they're living into death. You see them, and it's just like the way they live their life it is further and further and further into um, death, and not much more yeah so and even those people still have a metric of good and, and evil they just look at everything as being evil they they still have something there there's still a belief system there to some extent yep. yeah it may not be well developed but it's there and that's yep. really what a religious war is is when you have different belief systems that conflict with one another this idea that people naturally know good and evil and they all know the same good and evil is not true and it is demonstrably not true and it's really dumb to think that is true but God, the master of creation, he has long warned us about this. And we are in the middle of spiritual warfare. And as Christians, we must fortify ourselves and realize that God has been long sending us messages that teach us to reach above. These messengers, these angels, they have been teaching us to reach above, to aspire to things that we can't even relate to. Furthermore, they've been teaching us to desire things that we can't even fathom desiring and living by standards that we could never meet by our own power. God has sent messengers telling us to reach above upwards. Now our current culture wants people to reach down rather than up, to be equal by the lowest common denominator. And rather than reaching up towards the skies, we are taught to resent those who are blessed in ways that we are not. And rather than understanding that all people are sinners in need of the uplifting salvation through Christ, the pagan spirit of our age teaches people, and it's largely driven by sin, it teaches people to embrace the nature of their own desires to scream out against anything that might challenge us to rise above. There's a meme that I come across on Instagram that perfectly, and I mean absolutely perfectly captures this. Now, Anthony, I think he's got that brought up. And you've got two images side by side. One of them, and they both look like they're in Walmart, maybe Target or Target for those who are... Um, fancy. Yeah, those who are fancy. Um, and one of them is a Christmas sweater, and it's got OCD on it, and the girl is like, why are people making money off of my illness? And you can tell that this girl, she's probably buying into the idea that my my identity is wrapped up in OCD and this is part of me, which is dumb. Um, which it is weird, like, to have your identity based in flaws. Oh, that's where we're at, though. Exactly, that's what, that, yeah. that's what reaching down looks like. And then it's contrasted on the other side that's got another picture where there's a man who's holding a similar sweater. Um, they're both Christmas sweaters. And this sweater has a... Uh, gingerbread man on it, gingerbread cookie, and it's got a leg bitten off, and this guy's missing a leg. He looks like he's a soldier or something that's lost his leg, and he's kind of smiling with it. He's happy about it. And you've got two people. One of them is reaching up. The man who's missing his leg, he sees a sweater with the leg bitten off, and he has a leg off, and instead of being offended by it, he's reaching up. He thinks it's cool. He's like, yeah, I'm going to buy this sweater because it's me. I'm, well, I'm on a sweater I'm not going to lie, too. Um, looking at the picture, 
he doesn't necessarily look like he's smiling, but within the context of the post that we've sort of cropped out, he's making fun of the other girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. He actually thinks it's kind of hilarious, I think, yeah. him being posed next to this gingerbread man. And it is sort of a difference between thinking that everything in the world out there is trying to get you and you're a victim versus I don't have a leg, but I'm going to make the best out of my situation. Yeah, the the caption up under it says, suck it up or something like that, which I think is cropped out in the copy of it we well, have it was a little but, more inappropriate than that but oh well either way it's been it, it's essentially saying suck it up but one of these things is reaching down and in the meme the girl who says why are they making money off of my illness is she ever going to be happy if the whole world has to bow down anthony is it possible for someone to ever be happy with that standard is it even possible to meet that standard no no it's not all right my vision is pretty bad y'all i mean it's not the worst but it's not great if I take these off, you know, there's other things in this room. There's a, a book sitting a, a fair distance away from me. I, I can't read the words on it. Um, there's an envelope sitting over here on our, our desk here in the studio. And I know, just because I read it earlier, that it has the word winter on the front of it. But if I come in here and say, Anthony, that says summer on it, you know, because my vision is bad and I, I want it to say summer, or maybe my, my eyes put together the shapes and it thinks that it reads the word summer. If Anthony has to lie to me or walk on eggshells around me because I'm not able to see that, am I ever going to be happy? Am I going to be able to function in the world if that's my standard? Nope. Or what if someone else comes in here? What if the church secretary comes in here and looks at it and says, did you read that letter about the Winterfest or whatever? And I'm going to be like, no, it said Summerfest. You know, is that realistic for me to get mad about that? Nope. No, because that's, that is a bad standard. But that's what you're like when people are taught not to reach up, when they are taught to reach down. And there's no hope. And it's so sad. I'm not saying this to beat up on the poor girl. I really do feel sorry for people like this. And I look at it and I realize this is why the wisdom and mercy of God looked at his creation. And this is going to be a little bit harsh when I'm saying, but we're all kind of miserable, miserable, degenerate reprobates who are fallen sinners. And God looked at us all and said, you're all miserable little creatures. But instead of God wanting to put us out of our misery, God said, I want to instead give you hope. Instead of you being mad and offended all the time, I want you to reach up. Maybe you are missing a leg. Smile about it. Buy the shirt and have it on there because you're now a gingerbread man. You know, enjoy life. Reach upwards. Because you don't have hope when you don't reach up. And God always wants us to have hope. In fact, God sent his son that his son would endure and suffer and die on a cross that we could have hope of eternal salvation. That we could not be harmed in the second death. That on the day of judgment, you know, we've been doing that study in the book of Revelation. And we'll be getting back to that this week. And the, one of the last churches we looked at, there's that, that wisdom there that says, if you endure, well, you're going to be, you know, fine when the second death happens. You're not going to be harmed by that second death. Life in fallen creation is filled with suffering. That is a fixed truth. And that's not moving. It's not moving until Christ comes in and everything is made new. Anthony. Well, in some sense, life is so filled with suffering that the only way to solve it for all creation was for God himself to suffer. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think about. If God wanted to be, um, you know, self-pitying and that sort of thing, God would have never stepped out into the world incarnate as Christ, Jesus, and suffered on the cross that we all might be redeemed. Yeah. But God actually is extraordinarily aspirational and has goals that required his own self-sacrifice. Yeah. Anthony, pull that meme back up for a second. 
This meme is an image. It's a symbol representing the spiritual warfare in our culture. So just hold that up there for a second. That is a meme representing spiritual warfare in our culture. Whether it was meant to or that was its design, I don't care. It is representing that. Because there is no hope when people do not reach for things above. When they have a belief system that tells them to reach low, you're going to be miserable every time you walk into Walmart. And look, I get that Walmart is Walmart. But God wants us to have hope even in the darkest valleys. Even in the valley of the shadow of, I can't find what I'm looking for in this store. God wants us to have hope. He wants us to reach above that. Life in fallen creation is filled with suffering, and that is a fixed truth. It's not moving. It's not going away. So this whole mentality that you are fine like you are, it's never going to make people happy. It's never going to make people be fulfilled. People, they're compassionate, and their their compassion gets cut away from the severity of the gospel. And we'll get to this when we finally get down to our scripture and start talking more about angels. But the, the gospel message is very compassionate, but it's also extraordinarily severe. Christ comes to cut you off with the things that are old. You know, it's not a desire to become something that is the same. It's a desire to become something that is better. That's what the gospel inspires us to do. Life in fallen creation is always going to be filled with suffering. That's a fixed truth. And people are going to be depressed in life if they do not desire to become something more than just a miserable sinner. No matter how hard the carnal nature, no matter how many movies are put out, no matter how many things, no matter how much stuff you buy, you're never going to be fulfilled if you're just a miserable sinner. That is just a fact. People are always going to feel discontent. They're always going to be betrayed. They're always going to have holes in their life which aren't filled in. They're always going to have all kinds of depression and things. People will be discontent if they are miserable sinners. Furthermore, they're going to start lashing out at the world when the world isn't, you know, bowing down before them like that poor girl is with that sweater. And the truth is we cannot answer for the world. We can only answer for ourselves. And it's a sad thing to believe the lie that you can make the entire world walk around you for affirmation. It's just sad. But this is today, we're looking at angels, because they don't bring us a message that says feel bad when somebody puts the words OCD on a shirt. Instead, they come bringing hope, hope that is beyond humanity, telling us to reach above. And they're messengers, messengers of God. And when we come to the birth of Jesus, we're here in the season of Advent, there's a lot of angels around the birth of Jesus. And let's go to the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 1. Let's read verses 18 through 25. Anthony, if you would read that for us. Matthew 1:18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. All right, so thank you, Anthony, for reading that, and it came out of the NRSV. Angels are highly involved in the birth of Jesus. 
Not only do we see angels here with Mary and Joseph, but also with Zachariah and Elizabeth and their son John the Baptist. And uh, the angels that we see here, they don't come down to wallow in the petty concerns of humanity, but rather to inspire humanity to reach up towards the heavens. For God's anointed one was coming to redeem us. And this is an important thing. This is why we need a messenger bringing this. This is why John the Baptist is even needed to go out and make the pastorate. People need to hear the word to be turning towards God and looking for the hope that is coming. And for those of us here today in 2019, we often take for granted how important these messengers are and we think that they're just something cut off in the past. Anthony? Well, God throughout the scriptures is, um, well, rather, God will very, very frequently work with what he has already created oh, to yeah. further improve creation. Yeah. Even from the beginning, um, you know, the land started begetting uh, vegetation and that sort of thing. It doesn't say that God poofed vegetation onto the land. It says that the land begot vegetation and other sorts of things and the things that crept and crawled on the earth yep. um here we can see that god isn't just going to appear like magic and snap his fingers and all of a sudden boom jesus in the flesh appears on the cross but he's going to work through the couple the young couple that have not um you know uh fulfilled their marriage totally uh mary and joseph and be born as a babe yep. and through that also there's working through the angels there's working through the prophets. There is so much that God is using to redeem the world as he is also doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. And the messengers that God sends, they come bringing a world that needs hope. People need hope. And there are people who have lived in shame, and there are people who will continually live in shame. There are people who have been beat down by everything around them. Every time they try to get their lives in order, something comes to get them down. People, every time they feel like they get a leg up, they're falling back down. This has happened throughout the history of humanity since we've been in fallen creation. It will continue to be so until Christ returns. God, in all of his wisdom, did not come because this was good. He came because he wanted to redeem it. God, and again, this is a very wise thing that many people don't, they, they take for granted reading in our scriptures. God came not to eradicate everything that had ever been miserable. The purpose of life is not to avoid suffering. God did not come to eradicate everything miserable. Instead, he came to give people a choice to receive the gift of redemption and to receive hope. The world needs hope and salvation. And it's not salvation so that you can remain the same. We are, we are all born as miserable sinners, miserable little creeping things. And if God's creation just wanted to be a miserable little creeping thing, God didn't need to send a Savior. But God did send a Savior so that we could rise up above that. If God's salvation did not seek rising above where we're at, then nothing would have changed and there would have never been a need for it. Life would have carried on with all of us walking around as filthy little degenerate reprobates. But God does not want us to live as such terrible little creeping things, nor does he want us to be exterminated. But rather, he wants us to be redeemed. One of the topics that people often think of that brings them to think about God is suicide. And whenever people are committing suicide, they've entered into an irrational state of the mind that has rationalized their own death. And in that state of mind, the sin for them that they're, they're looking at, the sin of killing themselves, it is quite logical for one. And it really is a logical thing when you're in this irrational state of mind where you look at life and all you see is suffering, it becomes logical to just want to end it. And we really should give praise to God for his mercy and his wisdom 
that he does not hold this logic to be acceptable. God holds this logic to be sinful. For if God felt the way that if all you see is suffering, then you just end it, then he would have ended us all in an even greater flood. But God chose to redeem rather than to destroy. And he wants to send the world a message with these angels, with these messengers, a message of redemption. And when sending his son, Christ Jesus, there is that redemption there available for people to reach out and receive. When we look at God and we look to see one whose logic is above our own, we realize that we are called to live above our own mundane ways. God has been sending us messages of hope all along, but the question is, are we willing to receive them? God mes- God's messengers are otherworldly. Yeah, there are times that humans have been messengers on God's behalf, but the ones that we see, like what we saw in Matthew 1, they're inhuman. Yet they bring hope and they give us something to aspire for. Their messages are beautiful, but their tactics are severe. You ask the wrong question to one of these angels and you might end up mute, or imaginably, you might end up worse. Angels are so profoundly beautiful in Scripture that they make people like Daniel weak to behold them. Yet, it's still necessary for people like Daniel to behold them. And in doing so, Daniel's reminded of his own corruption, while at the same time inspired to turn to God. So as we start to, to move towards the end of this, I want to ask Anthony some, some questions. And again, for those of you who are listening to this, feel free to comment, reach out to us. However you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at kingdomofthelogos at outlook.com or find me on Twitter at jdylanproctor or just look me up in Facebook, jdylanproctor. The question I've got now that I want us to look at is, first and foremost, are angels relatable? Anthony, I'm going to throw that to you and let you chew on that. Are angels relatable? And by that I mean... We look at angels, and do we want to put ourselves in their shoes and pretend we're them? Say, oh, if the angels were here, I'd invite them to a game of golf. We'd go hang out, you know, down at the the local restaurant and get us something to eat. You know, are angels relatable? Uh, I would say absolutely not. And I'll explain that first, but I'm going to add a little piece to that, which should lead us into the next question. Okay. But um, for the most part, honestly, there's only one way I can think of. I mean, I can't think of... um, for instance, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that uh, angels don't have to worry about doubt and faithfulness. And I'm pretty sure Paul writes on that and says that that is a reason why we will be counted as greater than the angels in heaven. But either way, um, you know, I don't know what sort of choices the angels have to make. I don't know that they make any choices at yeah, all. I'm, I'm not here to be able to answer those they may questions. Not, they may, they may not. Yeah. I have no idea. But, I mean, choice is definitely something that's absolutely intrinsic to the human condition uh a story without choice wouldn't be a story at all <laughs> um and so i don't know how i would be able to relate to that i don't know how to relate to their capabilities or well, origins let me let me ask like you this that. anthony then do you need to be able to relate to them to be inspired by them nope nope i don't think so at all. no not at all now there is one way you might be able to relate to the angels and that might be with um perhaps irritation <laughs> angels can seem to be very very easily irritated and short-tempered and for instance even the story with uh the angel bursting into flames i'm relatively certain that the angel sort of dissed the father of samson and basically said that he didn't have very much faith and then like these things are going to happen do as you've been told yeah you know um (laughs) angels are as we understand they're very severe very brutal but also very beautiful so 
Yeah, it's a, a weird dichotomy for you. Very beautiful and also very brutal. Um, the, the next question I want us to ask is, would you actually want to meet these in person? The angels we see in scripture, again, they are pretty brutal. Sometimes they explode into flames. Other times you, you find, you know, if you ask the wrong question, you might be without speech for nine months. You know, if somebody sends a, a question to me, if they're sending something good or maybe they're wanting to be somebody who's, I don't know, there's internet trolls and things out there. We, on rare occasion, get one of those, which is also a good sign. But if you're asking a question, you ask the wrong question, or say I asked the wrong question, you know, I'm sitting somewhere and I'm asking, you know, I'm probably not going to be mute for nine months for doing that. But well, would you actually want to meet these angels? You as know, far as like the, the angels go, um, you know, I'm not even sure it's like the right question or whatever else. It's just that the angels know that the question isn't in curiosity, that most of the time the question is asked with a different sort of heart, like a heart of faithlessness yeah. and that sort of thing. They well, see right through that and they'll weed it out. Well, they, I, you know, they are not uh, waiting. I'm just going to say, I, I, you see them, you, you always hear teachers say things like there's no wrong questions with angels. Yes, there are. There are wrong questions. There are, re- there are wrong questions to ask angels and do not ask them to angels because it will not turn out well for you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they give you everything you need to know on the front end too. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, if you ask anything, the angel already knows. Yes. All right, I've told you everything you need to know. You're just being unfaithful. Yep. Boom. Yep. They crack the hammer down. I personally, would it be cool to be uh, such an important figure to be used by God to have an angel uh, show up to my door? Maybe. I don't know. I'm happy to volunteer uh, in service to God. But at the same time, would I uh, also be in fear of some of these angels? Yes, very much. All right. So next, I want us to ask this question. What are the angels concerned with? Because, because again, when people of our day and age, we got that meme, you know, you're, you're worried about, oh, it, it hurts my feelings. It makes me feel ashamed or something like that. People in our modern day and age are really obsessed with reaching down and identifying with the lowest common denominator rather than looking around us and saying we're all, you know, putrid sinners who need to reach up. When you see something like that meme and you see this angel, the angel knows that people are afraid. There's shame that's associated with Mary and Joseph and Zachariah and Elizabeth, but in none of these cases is the pettiness of shame something that the angel really bothers with because they're here for more important affairs. So really one of the things that I I want us to think about is as the church, we've got to do a better job about rejecting the premise of things handed to us. There are so many times where people come to Jesus and they'll say, who sinned, this man's parents or himself? And Jesus is like, neither. This is for the glory of God. He rejects the ideas that he's been given. So many times people come to us with the, with things and be like, hey, why aren't these people allowed to do this? And it's like, that, that's not an identity. That's not a people group. We, we've got to do things which is better at rejecting premises and say, all of us are sinners. We all need to move towards God. Um, people identifying with something like OCD is dumb. OCD is not a people group. There might be people who have OCD. But that's not like an that's not an identity. God does not create you with a soul of OCD. God creates you with a human soul. And we need to to be able to see that any identity that's not found in Christ Jesus is not worth talking about. And we need to move people towards Christ Jesus. Anthony, shoot! All right, you took you took us down a different train of thought. So I'm not entirely 100% sure what I was going to say, but um, I think that a lot of times people get into these like logical traps. Uh, oh, yeah, and it's yeah. mostly based on words. Yep. And it doesn't even have to be false. It doesn't have to be a lie. 
you know, um, it could be the yeah. lawyer who came to justify himself asked Jesus, yep. who is my neighbor? And you know what? There might be real answers to that question that some people he's trying to ask who should be the recipients of my love. And, you know, there might be criteria for that. But Jesus sees where he's going with that. It's not yep. about who you're supposed to love. That yep. that lawyer came to justify his own deeds. Yep. And so Jesus instead talks about not about who should receive love, but he talks about who loves rightly. Who is the one who yep. actually loved? Who's the good neighbor? Who was a neighbor? And um, and who is the good neighbor in that story? It was the Samaritan. Is it because he's a Samaritan or because he's a good neighbor? It's because, uh, well, he went above and beyond in helping his neighbor. Yep. That's it's because of the love that he had, not because he's a Samaritan. Yep. Not because you're a priest, not because you're anything. It's because of the content of your heart. And the church has got to do better about learning to reject premises that are just garbage. Just garbage premises. So many times you, you said the word logical trap, and, and my dad uses the language of theological ghettos. Theological ghettos are created when people see a logical trap and they think they can beat the devil at his own game. They think, oh, we're going to be the generation that knows how to twist this evil just right and we're going to win. I'm like, no, you're not. The only antidote to evil is the blood of Christ Jesus. No, don't forget it. Yep. Um, I think that you're right. We should do better about addressing those sorts of things. And really, if we keep on our hearts and minds. And learning to say no to the question. Yeah. And if we keep on our hearts and minds, you know, the nature of the gospel and just stick very simply to um, what it means. We don't have to engage in these theological traps and get ourselves stuck. Yep. All right. One last question, Anthony, before we wrap this up. Do you have to meet these angels in person in order to hear their message and receive their message and let it give you hope in your heart? You have to hear them in person. Uh, no. No. I, I, you know, I'm really inspired when I, I read the nat- – I mean – you go to my home, there's a nativity, a lot of places there's an advent calendar hanging on the fridge. You open up, and it's an advent calendar that has scripture in it rather than chocolate. So you open it up, and you, you read the scripture. And today, the one that was in there was about the angel. Um, and you read that, and you know, I'm blessed by that. I'm not hearing it firsthand or even secondhand. You know, when I read that this morning, you know, that was somebody taking scripture and then taking it to a place where they put in an advent calendar and that was given to me. So many times has that information changed hands, but yet I'm still blessed by it. These messengers, their hope gives, well, it, it's it's a lasting message. Like we, we come back to this because it is so profound. Well, especially, I mean, the gospel is eternal hope. Yeah. You can have eternal hope in the gospel. It doesn't matter how many hands uh, the gospel has passed through. No, no, it does not. That's absolutely true. All right, so wrapping things up, God has long wanted us to reach up, to turn our hearts towards his kingdom, and we are created in the image of God, and we possess the sacred breath of life. And yes, we have fallen, but God wants us to live holy lives. The paganism of our world, it's always hollow. This idea of just being accepted as you are for who you are and what your natural desires are, that's never going to be satisfying to people because you're never going to eradicate suffering. That That is not... That's not how that is done. That's not the end of that. The gospel teaches us that we all need salvation. And only when all things are made new will we truly have anything that looks like a utopia. All these people who think that the the kingdom of God comes to make a utopia for everyone, that is not what the gospel says. The gospel gives us pretty clear warning that until Christ returns, there's going to be sin. There's going to be trials, tribulations, wars, rumors of wars, 
All of the nasty things which cause suffering, wretched violence, victimization of people who are innocent, extremely costly things, persecution, division, and wicked people in the house of God. It was Jesus who, who is taken to a cross by people in the house of God. We find time and time again, this is what we are called to endure. All these people who think the purpose of the gospel is to create a utopia where people are reduced down to something, it's, it's not true. That is not the purpose of the gospel. Well, frequently also it's obsessed with a sort of false utopia. It is a where yeah. I mean, it. They don't want to address the flaws of the person or nope, whatever nope. group of people, and they would rather just um, stick with the idea that you can get places without also being changed. Well, and I, I don't think that like I spoke too far a second ago. I said it's a utopia where everything's the lowest common honor. People don't sell it as that. They sell it as just a utopia. Exactly. But it, it's like the devil when he we we find him tempting Jesus in the wilderness. He's not selling Jesus a real kingdom when he, he takes him there. When when Peter comes to Jesus and says, Oh, Jesus, forbid this that it would happen. You let it not happen. That you would suffer and die on a cross, and Jesus turns to him and says, Get behind me, Satan. The diabolical and the accuser is selling a pain-free world. Just like when you looked in Russia, they say, come join us on the collecting farm, collective farm. That's how the poster is always made. But what they don't tell you is, if you want to have this collective farm, there's going to be bodies high. There's going to be people who, who are blessed in other ways that you're going to have to kill because you coveted the things they had. And there's never going to be fulfillment in that. That's why we needed a redeemer. That's why we need a redeemer. That's why we need main angels to come give us messages of hope because we're not capable of rising above this. And the gospel does not come and tell us to, that we're, we're going to build something that rises above this with our own power. The gospel tells us to come surrender your hearts and minds to Christ Jesus. You have a choice. Other people are giving the liberty of making a choice too. God's not a tyrant. Now there will be a day of judgment and there will be a new creation. There will be a resurrection. And those who have endured for the name of Christ Jesus and been saved by Christ, they're not going to be harmed by the second death. But the message of hope that comes with these angels, it's one that's very powerful to us. With that, we've talked about this for a while. Send us your thoughts, questions, and comments. Check us out on the different social media sites. You can like us on Facebook, follow our page. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can download us on CastBox, iTunes, SoundCloud, a lot of different places. Take the podcast with us. If you really want to leave a comment, please do. That'll help us out a lot. If you want to donate monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com. Make sure you're part of a local fellowship. And with that, God love you and have a blessed day.